0: People in special region who are facing with many problems with the drug, abuse, human trafficking, child soldiers, and they also don't know Jesus.
1: We need to have good food, but we don't have good food because we cannot farm. The children, they need to have education, but they cannot have education because they need to flee from the fighting. It's a very difficult situation in the war zone. When the girl child is born, the brothel owner is very happy because that is a free gift. And they could use her from the age of eight and nine. When we rescue her, she was saying that in eight years of time, she has slept with 20,000 people.
0: I couldn't wrap my head around it. I still can't wrap my head around it. I knew that I needed to do something. We always know about these things that go on around the world. I just don't want to stand by. There's so much despair and so much destruction. And this idea of doing tough things for people in
1: tough places is really what we were created to do.
2: And I remember just having this thought, what would it look like to do something consistently? God puts a dream in my heart to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday. And 30 for Freedom, the movement was born.
1: Every single time I run, I think and I pray about refugees knowing that there are people literally running for their lives right now and knowing that we can do something about it.
0: Imagine the creator of the whole universe says, I want you to help me. Why wouldn't we want to say yes to that? There are going to be hundreds of people here and it's a movement that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. Together with the venture, we will open the children home and get the girl before they become the victim.
1: We help many children more than 2,500 kids. They will have food so that's why we provide minor pack for them for that they can study. They're not starving. It was amazing to think that what we were doing here is changing lives over there.
0: We have seen 500 young people that come through our ministry and they become the leader in their community.
1: After they know Jesus, then they know they have a choice in their life. With venture, we are going to stop human trafficking in body people.
0: And I just want to say thank you on behalf of every person that will be impacted by today, every single victim that will be rescued out of a brothel, that will be restored holistically in the name of Jesus. I mean, I can't honestly (laughs) imagine my life or the person that I would be if I hadn't said yes.
2: Pursue the things that God has put on your heart because you never know whose life is going to be
1: impacted by your yes.
0: It's exciting, huh? and normally, at this moment, I would jump right into say a you know, talk, but I have to stop and I just want to say, How cool are your pastors? Like, what is going on in this place? It's amazing. Like, God is, is awakening something in this church. I just sense it and feel it just being here. You guys are a part of something very, very special. And these are some of the finest leaders I've ever gotten a chance to meet Greg, and Greg and Amber. When, when we were in youth, I remember when, anytime there's a real difficult problem it was Amber on speed dial. And, and we would say, Amber, there's a girl that's dealing with something really difficult. And she would just drop everything and minister to him. And that that's the heart of Amber. And then she was dating this guy at the time named Greg. And, and Greg, I... I've actually never told you this, but I've sat under Greg's ministry and his preaching. And the thing I love about you, man, is that you don't just get up here and say, here's what the Word of God says. You would get up every week and you'd say, here's what the Word of God says, and here's how God is working that in me. And here's how God is changing me by this. And and I I love that you let the Lord change you, and then you get up and say, here's how God is changing me, and you live it. You model it and that is leadership and that is awesome. And I just wanna tell you how much you've impacted me in my life, Greg. It's awesome. Seriously, you guys are amazing. and, and in, our, in our youth group was this crazy, hyperactive Irish guy named Micah McDonald. And, uh, and he's part of this thing, too. It's just awesome to see what God's doing here. So everyone, if this is your first time or like a hundredth time, this is a special place. And God is doing a special thing here. And, and I just say jump into what God is doing here in this church because it's amazing. And so... Um, uh, during that that whole youth group time, it was a youth group fundraiser that kind of just spurred into this whole idea of venture of doing really tough things, of running and hiking and biking, and 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 people like doing crazy things like running across states and biking across countries, and then like simple things like I'm going to get up and walk and do a 5K, and doing tough things for people in really tough places. And 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 a, during this time of year, there's a verse I wanted to bring out that's that's beautiful that talks about this, and it says it, a couple. A ago, a prophet Isaiah wrote this. He said, those living in deep darkness have seen a great light. And we celebrate that verse in, in, in Christmas time. Those in deep darkness seeing a great light. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what does deep darkness look like? And for venture, we call that a tough place. And, and I have a little graph I wanted to show you. Um, that more people, this is how we define a tough place. More people live inside this circle than outside of it. Okay, so more than half the world lives here. And this is also where most of the unreached people, the people who have never heard about the hope of Jesus, they live right in that circle. And one of the saddest things is that less than 1% of all Christian giving goes to that circle. So there's more people than, than outside more than half the world, most of the unreached people, and it's also where most of the trafficking, child soldiering, war refugees, and it makes sense. If you don't have the gospel, things are going to get really bad. And so if you look at the world, the places with the least gospel witness have the greatest issues. And, And the Bible just calls us to that. He said those in deep darkness. And then I love this see a great light. Not a small light, but a great light. And I'm here to report to you that in some of the darkest areas of the world, some of the greatest miracles are happening. And I want to tell you not just like some of the best things that have happened over the past couple years. I'm going to tell you just some of the things that have happened the past few weeks. All right? One of the things that's happened in the past few weeks is that we had some leaders who were sharing the gospel. They were so effective that many villages were happening. And this is in a communist country. I can't tell you the name of it. And these leaders were poisoned by the communist leaders. And nothing happened to them. And the leaders came back and said, we poisoned you guys. And what happened? And they said, well, this, the Bible actually says this will happen. In, in Mark 16, they will drink deadly poison and it will not affect us. And it really happened. This is weeks ago, folks. And 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 they were giving death threats to these folks. And now the whole villages are coming to Christ. It's just beautiful. And again, just a couple weeks ago, deep darkness is seeing a great miraculous light. Uh, another place, there's a village that we're, they They were, uh, Pastor Ekru, one of our staff, they were worshiping rocks and trees by sacrificing animals. They were still that primitive. Sacrificing animals to rocks and trees while, meanwhile, the children are starving to death. And Pastor Ekru comes in and he starts telling them, and they had this legend in the village that their main god died on this big tree that was in the middle of the village. And Pastor Ekru said, God did die on a tree. But he died so you don't have to do these sacrifices anymore. Jesus became the sacrifice. The village elder came to Christ. And then all these other people in the village come to Christ. I'll show you a picture here uh, of this happening in just a second. <laughs> all right. And, and so this is Pastor Crew, and If you show the next picture, whole villages. And this is weeks ago, folks. Whole villages coming to Christ. It's just beautiful. And then uh, one of the last ones is uh, our team. We just had a team a few weeks ago that was in Nepal. And one of the team members, they were hiking to the base camp of Everest to help fight human trafficking. And one of the team members joined the team because he said he had a dream about Nepal and he kept having dreams over and over and over. And he felt like God was leading him to go on this trip to Nepal. Well, they went up to the highest monastery in all of Nepal. It's just below Base Camp of Everest. So think about how high that is, how remote that is. It takes 12 days just to walk there. Okay? And this, this businessman who went on the trip, had these dreams, starts just shaking. And he said, I... This is the monastery I saw in my dream. And everyone's going, what? Are you serious? You wouldn't make this up. He's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. And a monk comes out from the monastery. And then his face turns white. And he said, this is the monk I saw in my dream. And then he tells Pastor Meg. And Pastor Meg starts sharing this with the monk. And then they keep going back and forth. He, and then, he, you know, the guy's a little confused. He says, what's going on? And finally, Pastor Meg looks at him and said, the monk just told me that he's seen you in his dream. And that he was been searching for truth, and he knew that you were gonna bring the truth to him. Okay, this is just a few weeks. You can clap for that. That's God. That's a great light, you know, deep darkness, seeing a great light. And that's the time and the age that we get to be in, folks, is this deep darkness, and, and God is showing a great light in the deep darkness. And, and I, I tell, and there's very few places that I have seen this great light showing even brighter than Nepal. Nepal is a country, um, actually, I've told a lot of people, I'll sit, I fly a lot for business. I own a a few companies, and and the way it works is that we, our companies cover all the admin of venture so that when people give, 100% of it just goes straight through to help people, and so I'm on planes a lot for business, and I'll sit next to people who are total atheists, and if I start telling them about the gospel breaking out in Nepal, I can have an atheist in about a couple minutes tell me that I should go share the gospel, And I'm serious, and here's how it works, is that in Nepal, there is a caste system based on Hinduism that is straight-up religious racism. And they have four castes, and the top caste are the Brahmin, and they get to rule, and the very bottom caste, they're called the Dalit, or the other word is untouchable. And when I say untouchable, I say that if you're going to your friend's house and there's a mangy dog in the village that brushes up against you or licks you, you could still go to your friend's house. But if you touched a Dalit person, you would have to go home and wash because the Dalits are lower than dogs. That's how strong the racism is. And then it gets worse because the Dalit are broken up into 30 subgroups and those are ranked top to bottom. And the very, very bottom is a group called the Badi people, B-A-D-I. They're known in their own country as the trafficked people. That's what they're called. And, and we go into these, and the way that reincarnation works is that they say, if you screwed up in your last life, then you will come, karma will punish you, and you'll come back in this life as a body person. So anyone that was born body messed up in their last life and they deserve to be punished. They deserve to be raped. They deserve to be abused. They deserve to be sold. They deserve to be enslaved. And we go to these body villages and we tell them nothing could be further from the truth. That Jesus loves everyone the same. That God has called you into his family, his caste. And at his caste, we are all equal. And by this time, even an atheist will say, go tell those girls they have value. You go tell those girls that that, that they're all the same in God's family. And that's the beauty of the gospel when it comes to a place like Nepal. The deep darkness of that religious racism is being busted up by the great light of the gospel that says that God cares for all of us the same. And they'll look at us with tears in their eyes and say, could that be true? Could that possibly be true? And we tell them it's the truest thing in all the universe, that God loves all of us the same. And Jesus actually gave his life to show you how much value you have. He said, you're worth my own blood. And, and I, I have a friend named Hannah who I told this to. And, I, and her, your last name is your caste. And so you're reminded all the time of how worthless you are in that country by your last name. And I said, your last name is no longer body. Your last name is Christ as you're in the family of Christ. And she's like, keep telling me I have value because I've been told my whole life I'm worthless keep telling me and that's the beauty of the gospel is that the value of something is what you pay for it and God said I'm going to pay with my own blood that's what the cross means that's the beauty of the gospel the great light and instead of telling you Hannah's story I thought I would just show you a video of Hannah's story so you can really capture because a lot of us have heard about human trafficking we know it's a deep darkness but it doesn't have a name it doesn't have a face It doesn't have a personality. And so I want to show you a video just to kind of put a little bit of a a context and reality and personality and humanness to what uh, this horror of trafficking and then talk about what we can do to stop it. So we can play that. Thank you.
3: My
2: parents and village people work in the gravel pit. During rainy season, work is not possible since the shores are flooded. Many people go hungry from the little they earn from selling sand.
3: Therefore, people are compelled to sell their bodies. In Nepal, there is a caste system. Brahman is the highest caste. And Badi are a part of the Dalit, which is the lowest, the untouchable caste. When I was small,
2: our friend and her husband lived near our house, and they would often come to visit. The husband told my sister
3: that he wanted to take her to visit our mother's birthplace in Ramgat. Instead, he took her in a tractor, where he drugged
2: her to make her unconscious.
3: He sold her for $30. I started losing consciousness
2: from the shock of losing my sister, so my father took me to the hospital in Nepal, Gunj.
3: When the doctor checked the
2: x-ray, he read the report that I was Badi.
3: He then tried to rape me. Later, I told my father that my doctor
2: tried to rape me. My father said, if we say something to anyone they will not treat us to whom shall we complain
1: When I met Hanna her ace was a crucial ace to be sold out in Delhi and she has also had great fear that somebody will destroy her life so it took Long time for me to establish relationship, and then I began to build relationship with Hannah, her father. I began to share my heart to them that in order to protect them, we would start hostel or home in Kathmandu and uh, give them education. And when I shared this, they they got excited.
3: When I
2: went to the hostel, the behavior of the people there changed me. After going there, I learned what real love looks
3: like, and the thing
2: that changed me most has been getting to know
1: Jesus. In seven years of time, out of 700 people, 400 people have come to know the Lord. And today, by the power of the Gospel, the village is changing, and the former trafficker who. Sold, Hannah's sister, is the pastor of that church. I'm very thankful to the Lord for Venture, because partnership is helping us to fulfill our daily needs in the hostel, in the schools, everywhere. And together, we are going to stop human trafficking in Badi people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the right response to that that's the right response is hallelujah like the deep darkness seeing a great light and going from someone who is already pledged to be sold to now a missionary leading 180 people in a village to Jesus we look and see a victim and Jesus looks and sees a missionary the, the power of God to look at that and Hannah spent Christmas with us and she gave us one of the greatest Christmas gifts our family could ever have we, she, we actually had all these conversations, just the simplest things. Like, we would come and we took her to Buck Hill to go skiing uh, for the first time, and she's like, Wow, I'm the first body girl to go skiing. And I thought, I mean, you know, I'm you know, kind of cranial sometimes. I'm like, ah. I mean, how do you know that, Hannah? Like, how do you know you're the first body girl to go skiing? And we're in line, and she goes, Oh, brother, I'm the first body girl to leave our country, not a slave. I'm just. Just balling, I'm trying to pay for skiing. And I'm like, oh Jesus. Okay, wow. The deep darkness, seeing a great light in Christ. And you know, we're having breakfast, and she's talking about how wonderful it was to be rescued instead of going to a brothel, going to a hostel. She says, because then you have safety and dinner. And we're having breakfast. I'm like, what do you mean dinner? She's like, oh, it's such a wonderful thing to have three meals a day. Oh, well, brother. Dinner is beautiful. And I thought, oh my God, I'm just crying over my cereal. (laughs) And it it gave me this beautiful moment of changing our baseline of what gratefulness is. Instead of saying, I need all this to be grateful, I have dinner. I'm I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) I woke up safe today. How many of us most days wake up never thinking about, oh, is today dangerous? To wake up in safety. We have it amazing. And she gave our family the gift of gratefulness. And I'll tell you, in America, gratefulness is such a gift because gratefulness is a sheer act of defiance to a culture that is telling you you always need more. And gratefulness is this rebellion against greed. Gratefulness is this beautiful gift of happiness. In fact, in our ha- family, we no longer say happy or unhappy. We say the words grateful or ungrateful. Because if you're, if you're ungrateful, you're never going to be happy no matter what you have, right? And, and so she gave us the beautiful Christmas gift of gratefulness, of going, oh, we have safety in dinner. We're good as a family. <laughs> and it started overwhelming us into that gratefulness led to this beautiful path of generosity in our family. And so what do we do? What do we do about this? What did Jesus say to do about this? Well, in venture, in our culture, we have this real, we we have this premise that we're we're dumb, and we have to steal all of our ideas from Jesus, okay, because we're not smart enough to come up with our own, and Jesus has probably already came up with way better ideas anyways, and so I want to just steal an idea from Jesus here, and uh, if you can do this for me, we're going to real quickly look at one passage of Scripture, and I know you do this as a church, Um, just as a a, a point of reference for Scripture, we're going to look at Luke 7, and we're going to read a passage, and I'm very quickly going to share something that is Jesus' response to deep darkness. What do you do in response? So Luke chapter 7, and if you could stand with me, we're just going to read this together as a, as a way to honor God's word and say, this is sacred, this is holy, this is not our ideas, this is your ideas, God. And, and I'm going to read this in, uh, out, out loud to all of you. Luke 7, and, and it's verse 11. It said soon afterwards Jesus and his disciples went to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him and a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate and the young man had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her and the Lord saw her and his heart overflowed with compassion don't cry he said and he went over to the coffin and he touched it and the bearers stopped young man he said I tell you get up and the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother and the crowd with great fear swept them and they praised God and it says a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the countryside praise God you can sit down And and Jesus, I ask as we talk about this quick story, that you would move upon our hearts to become like you and to see you. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, So sometimes when we look at the Bible, we go through it too quickly. And what I've been trying to do is actually slow down and I'll, I'll take one verse and write about it and take another verse and write about it and slow down as I read the Bible. And I just wanted to slow down on this verses 13 through 14 to talk about the response of Jesus to a great darkness. This is just to give the, like in the context of a body village, think about this. If a widow had one son, he was the breadwinner. Her husband was dead. If her son died, then she had no other way to get money. So not only was, and she would have had to sell herself into slavery. So what Jesus was witnessing was somebody not only mourning her son's death, but walking on the path into becoming a slave. That's the way it worked back then. It was so frail, and he's and this is what he did. He did, uh, and I'm going to show this on the screen here. This is projection. It said the Lord saw her. He overflowed with compassion, and he walked. And so here's what Jesus's response is when he sees deep darkness. It's real simple. He looks, he loves, he acts. And that's what the great light is. Is someone who will actually look and see. Someone who will feel deeply with compassion. And someone who will act. And, and it's that simple, the Jesus way. But it's really difficult because we have an entire culture that is trying to keep us from looking and seeing the needs of others. We have a a, a whole system in America that tells you you can feel deeply about it, but don't do anything. It's okay, you just feel bad. And we also have a culture that is doing anything to keep you from truly acting in sacrificial ways. And so these simple things are actually very difficult. But I want to just encourage you that this is a church I believe that Jesus is calling to be a church that looks and sees needs that feels deeply with compassion, and then does something about it. And so that's, the, that's it. I just wanted to slowly look at that passage and say, what did Jesus do? He saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion, and then he walked over and acted. And that's what God has called all of us to do, to be that great light and to see a miracle happen. And when Jesus did those little three things, he looked, he loved, he acted, the miracle happened. And this is what I think that this church, God is calling you to, to look and see. And you saw this need. And most of you already is like, wow, I feel this. And God is saying, now let's do something about it. And your pastor, Greg, came to me and said, uh, when we started sharing about this project that we had, he said, I don't feel like our church is just supposed to be a part of this. I think our church is supposed to dive in and actually make a change in this place in Nepal. And I wanted to show you, uh, tell you about what, what the, the project is, the recent project that we've gotten involved in. The flow of trafficking in Nepal goes from Nepal down into India. Because as in Indian Hinduism, their castes are actually higher than the Nepali caste. So the lowest Nepali is actually lower than the lowest Indian. And that's why they steal these girls, and they bring them into brothels in northern India. But that creates an opportunity because the traffickers are cowards. And on the border, what they do is they, and I'm just telling you how this works, how trafficking actually happens, is one trafficker will be on one side of the border and another trafficker will be on the other side of the border. And they'll send the girl across alone so that they don't get caught, so that they don't have to talk to the authorities. And so that creates a window to come on in and intercept and say, wait a minute, and, and wait a minute, we're going to stop it right here. And instead of that girl going to a brothel, she's going to go in a hostel and find out about Jesus. And so our partner, Ramesh, we've partnered with him for years now to create a border patrol station. And this is, there's two people. It's a formerly trafficked girl and then a, 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 a social worker. And they start looking at the girls, and they start saying, and they look for lost, lonely 12-year-old girls that, that they are alone. And they'll say, hey, honey, do you, do you have papers? How did you get here? What have they asked you? What's your story? And the girl who's been formally trafficked will say, that was me. You can trust us. This is not what's going to end the way you think it is. And the social worker will get the authorities involved. And then they'll take that girl and invite them into a, a hostel where they'll be discipled. They'll learn about Jesus. They'll learn that they have value. They'll learn that they are not the lowest of the low, but that their head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. That they are, they are more than conquerors in Christ. And that they'll learn a skill or a job skill that they can go back to their village. And many of these girls are going back and planting churches. They are leading their villages to Christ. They are 27 of the girls have become government officials in their local areas because of this. Instead of being a victim, they're becoming leaders for Christ. Yeah, this, it's awesome what God's doing. And these, uh, and these border patrol stations, we, we've started with Ramesh with one of them. And we're talking over a couple hundred girls now have been rescued. Uh, and one border patrol station will rescue over a hundred girls a year. We're talking one every three days is taken out of that. It's a beautiful thing, and your pastor came and said, we're in. He looked, he loved, and he said, we're going to act on this, and he said, this is something that our church is going to be called to, and, uh, and so I, I just want to encourage you. You're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of a faith promise, and, and a couple years ago, God wrestled with me in a faith promise one time. Our church was doing a faith promise where we said, okay, God, what do you want me to give? And I'm going to believe in faith you're going to provide. And the Lord gave me a number that was insane when I did a faith promise for me. I, he spoke, I was praying and he spoke to me and said, Ryan, I want you to write down the number $12,000. And I reminded God, God, I don't have $1,000, much less 12 And And then the Lord reminded me that he's God. <laughs> And $12,000 is nothing to him. And I was like, yeah, but, but I don't have it. And God's like, but I do. So I want you to put this down. So I wrestled with God and told him how broke I was and, and, and told him how powerless he was. And he laughed. And then eventually I wrote that number down. And I said, okay, God, I'm believing in faith. And then just a couple months later, I get a call from a company. They invited me to be on their board. And I showed up just four times a year. And I had enough money to make that whole faith promise because was a paid board position that I had no idea what happened. And it was enough to be able to meet that promise. And I felt when I was writing that check, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was laughing at my unbelief. (laughs) The fact that I had no concept of how he would help me to meet that faith promise. And God said, nope, this is how I work. And I learned a really beautiful concept then. And that's simply this. If your hand is closed... You can't receive or give. If your hand is open, you get to receive and give. And God is calling us to act and act with an open-handed life. So he can give to us and give through us. And, And that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Because then you get to be a part of that deep darkness receiving a great light. Can I pray for you? Because I believe this church is on the verge of seeing some great light happen in deep darkness all over the world. Not just Nepal, not just, but here in Burnsville and here in this community. That God is calling you to see needs, to love and feel that compassion. And to start acting with all of your heart and faith and seeing miracles happen in your lives. So can I, can I pray for all of you? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, Come. Jesus, come into our families, into our lives, come into our hearts. Come with your great light. Come with your miraculous power. Come with your tender-hearted compassion. Come with eyes and give us eyes to see. Give us, give us uh, the hearts to feel. Give us the hands to act. Give us the faith to step out and courage. Jesus, I pray for a grace and an anointing and a power and just to unleash something on this church that they become uh, just lights everywhere, God. Bring in that grace great miraculous light of love everywhere they go and I pray Jesus for you to stir the faith of people here to step out in that miraculous journey of seeing you move and so in the name of Jesus God I pray that you'd fill all of us with this spirit that same spirit that can look at at the darkness of a trafficker and see a potential missionary that you would look at the darkness in the lives of people here and that they would have a faith that would see that bright light break out in their lives and that that light would pour out and spill out into other people's lives all over this community and all over the world in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.